ADHD Rewired, episode number 42. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. For as long as I can remember, there were always certain things that seemed harder for me to do. And for most of my life, I didn't know why. I mean, in some ways, I always felt smart, but then in other ways, like my grades, not so much. I wish I can remember exactly what it was that I said to my parents that convinced them to let me go back to school after I just finished a semester with a 1.8. All I know is that I will be forever grateful. And I will be forever grateful for that dinner that I had with that girl whose name that I've been trying for years to remember. She told me about ADHD. And what she described was the first time that I ever heard anybody put into words what it felt like to be inside my brain. I honestly don't remember exactly what she said, but I do remember how I felt. I can remember like it was yesterday. That feeling of hope and possibility, of wonder and excitement, validation and eagerness. I scheduled an evaluation as soon as I could. When I talked to other people with ADHD about that first experience they had with medication, and what it was like to feel normal for the first time? Well, that feeling is amazing, but it took me years, years to realize that productivity fueled by Adderall was not gonna be enough. I set out to learn everything I could about ADHD, the brain, productivity, time management, organization, and goal setting. When I started that journey, I was doing it for myself. I knew if I was gonna get through grad school and have a successful career, I needed to learn how to plan and organize my time and set priorities and not get sidetracked by little unimportant details. My journey, probably much like yours, has been filled with a lot of ups and downs. I've experienced failures, and I've had some tough lessons learned. But I've learned to appreciate these obstacles and challenges that have come my way and to make something good out of them. Does everything happen for a reason? Well, to be honest, I don't think so. But what I do think is we can find reason and make meaning out of the things that happen. Because I'm proof that when you have the right tools and the right kind of understanding, that things can get a lot better. And you can do the things that you've always wanted to do. Whether that's going back to school, starting your own business, tackling that project that feels overwhelming, but that you think about all the time, or maybe even starting a podcast. Whatever it is, don't let your ADHD get in the way. Get your ADHD rewired. I told you last week that I would be announcing something free 
and cool? As I'm getting ready to launch the next ADHD rewired coaching and accountability group, I'm putting together a brand new series of videos, articles, and webinars where I'm going to share with you exactly how I do productivity. I'm going to share with you my favorite tools and my favorite apps. And if you stop by one of the two webinars that I'm going to be hosting, I'm going to give you an opportunity to join the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group for up to $170 off the full rate. If you've already joined my email list, thank you. And you don't have to do anything. You will be getting some new content in your email inbox shortly. No, wait, I take that back. You have to check your email. But if you don't currently get my email newsletter, which I don't send out that often, go to my website, erictivers.com and wait for the bright shiny object to pop up in the bottom right corner. Or you can text TIVERS to 22828. That's my last name, T-I-V-E-R-S, to the number 22828. Thanks for listening. And now, let me bring you today's interview. But first, I want to thank Audible for giving listeners of this podcast a free audiobook download. To get your download, go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Before we get into the interview, I just want to tell you really quickly that the interview you are about to hear is available. You can get the video of it, including some kind of before and after I hit record uh, outtakes. And we actually have a, a kind of a long conversation about um, just some business stuff and some other things that you might be interested in. So if you are, uh, go check out the show notes to this episode. That's at erictivers.com slash 42. And now... Here's Mary D. Sklar, who's going to help us see time. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am very excited to uh, be talking with my guest today, who is Mary D. Sklar. And I first got introduced to Mary D. Uh, through one of her books that I found at a Chad conference two years ago. And the book now has a, a new name. But before we get into that, let me tell you just a little bit about Mary and then she, Mary D. And then she will correct anything that I uh, mess up. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary D is a time management educator. She's an author, speaker, and consultant, and she is an entrepreneur. And we love entrepreneurs on ADHD Rewired because you know it's it's one of those those paths that we can kind of create our own kind of uh, 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 zone of a genius. And I think that it's it's wonderful. So I love talking to other entrepreneurs. As an educator, she has helped families and individuals overcome struggles with time management for over 20 years, which is why we're talking to her. Um, she's an author of a number of different books, including uh, one called Seeing My Time, Visual Tools for Executive Functioning. And this is a, a uh, for executive functioning success. And this is a curriculum uh, that she developed. And uh, she just has a new one out called 50 Tips to Help Students Succeed. Develop your students' time management executive skills for life. So, and I didn't realize, uh, Mary D, that you're, that, that curriculum that you created actually won a, um, an award at uh, last year's Chad conference. 
Well, the uh, the year that you were there, two years ago, it was, uh, oh, I can't remember the exact title of it. Some kind of special product thing or something. <laughs> it was a big gold star. It was a yeah, little gold star. I got a gold star. <laughs> yes. So welcome to the podcast. Now, uh, here's your opportunity to uh, correct anything that I messed up in your introduction. I think you did a very good job, well, actually. <laughs> I, I I actually practice it once before calling you. Um, I'm impressed. <laughs> I never practice things once before I do them. <laughs> I usually don't either. So, um, and I think part of us, I'm I'm really excited to talk to you. I know we talked a little bit yesterday as we're kind of getting ourselves uh, organized on what we wanted to talk about, and I did share with you as we kind of created our plan that that the plan that we create for the show is usually Plan B because I just like to have conversations on the show because I think. I think we get a lot more out of that. And when we kind of take too many rabbit holes, that's when we look at the plan and say, okay, where do, where do we want to get back on track? Okay. So, Mary, again, I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you. Now, one of the things that is interesting as uh, you know, we, we were talking and I was looking through your, actually your profile on LinkedIn and, and looking at all the presentations and trainings that you've done. But you did share with me yesterday that you're kind of an introvert. Yes, um, I am an introvert, and 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 from an entrepreneur's point of view, it's it's a challenge. I've always described well for I've really uh, well, see. I can't even talk about my, <laughs> what I do. That was the hardest thing was figuring out how to talk about what I do because, like you said, an entrepreneur and somebody like you and I, we have our own little spark and our own little genius, and we create our own little niche. Mm-hmm. And it's so novel that it's hard to find language to describe it. But um, an introvert, yes, um, very much so. I My work that I did with Seeing My Time, the curriculum program, really came out of challenges with my own brain okay this is this is 20 years ago i by background am a school teacher and i taught uh i'm a reading specialist although i haven't been in the classroom for quite a long 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 time like a galaxy far far away um i was doing a private practice teaching kids who had dyslexia and and I was also running a volunteer program at an elementary school um, to help volunteers teach reading. But that kind of got me onto this interesting path where I am today, believe it or not, that's how life works, is I was looking for insights into how to teach kids to learn to read. And I ended up at the University of Portland, which uh, where Dr. Ellen Arwood works. And she had these interesting ideas about the brain and how we learn and how we think. And while I went to learn about reading, after I was there for a week, I went up to her on Friday and I said, Ellen, I came here to teach kids how to read, but you've given me this little tiny glimmer into how my brain works with time and I'll pay you anything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you want my firstborn, you know, (laughs) because I was 40 years old and I described myself as an underachieving procrastinator. It's like I had all this creativity going on in my brain, but it was in piles and boxes and files and, you know, it was all over the place. And I couldn't seem to get things done in the way that I really wanted to do. Now, Mary D, I, I'm sure that most of my listeners right now are thinking, great, well, he has another guest on with ADHD. And when I asked you yesterday, do you have ADHD? Um, well, why don't you share uh, share with us what you what you told me yesterday? Well, you know, yesterday I said, 
I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> and, and Which I was so I, sort of surprised by based on the, the, it is, the way I described it is you kind of dropped hints throughout some of your books, but you uh-huh. didn't directly say that I, you know, that you have ADHD and some right. people are, you know, they're, they, they look at treating and responding to actual challenges, not diagnoses. And we right. kind of talked about, you know, well, you know, the, I, I do like diagnoses because it gives you a starting point, but it doesn't yes. necessarily tell you what to do. Right. So, right. so um, go ahead. So, 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 so I asked my husband <laughs> last night, and the reason why it's interesting to ask my husband is he's a retired pediatrician, okay, who used to diagnose ADHD, and um, so he looked at me and he goes, "No, no, 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 you don't have ADHD." He goes, "You now, you probably have a language processing disorder, and you probably have—I know—you have working memory issues." <laughs> Okay, so but language not, processing disorder and working memory issues. Tell me about the, the language processing disorder. Oh, well, language processing disorder comes from having challenges with word retrieval. Hmm. So it can be difficult for me to come up with the right words in certain circumstances. Or the ones that drive my husband crazy is when my brain pulls up a word that is closely similar, either conceptually or it starts with the same initial. Uh, if it, Yeah, if it's, it's a word that comes up that's similar, but it's the wrong word. But what's fascinating about my brain is that I internally hear the right word. So I am oblivious to the fact that I have just said something that makes no sense. Okay, so if it makes no sense, my husband gets it. He goes, oh, there goes her brain. It just went, he calls it my, in my brain. And, (laughs) but when I do make sense, but it's not what I wanted to say, then he, the poor man, thinks he's doing what I asked him to do, or he thinks he knows what I'm talking about, but I'm actually not talking about what I said. It's kind of dyslexia of spoken language well, then that's, actually that's kind of what i was thinking and i was actually um i think it was this past year at the uh the ada conference i was talking to uh roberto olivardia who's was one of my past guests and has uh, uh become a friend of mine uh he's uh, he's at harvard and he was talking about um uh, dyslexia and dysgraphia and he was describing dys- dysgraphia to me and it was sounding very, very like familiar. Yes. And that was it. To me, that sort of sounds like what you're describing is this dysgraphia. Well, well see, well, it, it's <laughs> see the brain, Eric, is so complicated. Yes. It's all interwoven, and that's where I have challenges with with trying to put specific labels on specific things because mm-hmm. they're so interconnected. And so I'd never actually put together before the idea that I had dyslexia of oral language. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody's ever said that about it, but that's really how it manifests itself because when someone has dyslexia, for instance, reads something, their brain will find a word and if they can't, they don't know it, their brain will substitute something for it that looks something like it, okay? Mm-hmm. And if semantically it's making sense, then they'll just keep moving forward um, thinking that they know what they're reading, but actually they don't because they've gone off on a whole other pattern. No, Mary, so, as, as you're describing this too, I had like four different conversations that just came to mind of, of that I had with people about this very issue. And I am just imagining right now that people are listening to this and going, oh, 
oh my gosh, I, I do that too. And no one's ever described it in, in such a way. So I, I love when, when people are listening to something and they realize that they are not the only person experiencing you know, that kind of issue. Yeah. And so that's, that's really why that resonates a lot with me and with my work, because while I don't focus specifically on ADHD, what I'm focusing on are those parts of the brain that impact our behavior connected to time and getting things done and uh, moving forward in the future, you know, connect, our, our present choices connecting to future outcomes, all of those things that have to do with the brain and time. Wait, and, Mary, are you telling me that the things that I do now affect my future? <laughs> yes, Eric. The choices that we make today, right now, impact the future. So how and do I see my time? Do you know well, anything about this? Yes, sweetheart. I know a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's what my course ended up being about was, was really, uh, Ellen Arwood actually way back, that was 20 years ago, challenged me that day to uh, to draw a picture of what I did in a week because I was completely out of what I call out of time, not based in time. I was uh, always late. I didn't have food in the refrigerator when I needed it. Um, I, my, I remember my, my, Christmas, my daughter telling me that her, one of her favorite or most memorable Christmases was the year we had no food in the house on Christmas Day. And we were driving around looking for food. And, and my husband had grown, my husband was at work, and he'd grown up in Boston where they had Chinese food, you know, on, on, <laughs> on Christmas Day. And so I went out looking for Chinese food. Well, in southwest Portland, Oregon, there is no Chinese food open on Christmas Day, so we ended up with a Circle K ham sandwich. But um, so anyway, I was, <laughs> it was. I have a feeling that, that you just described the number of people's Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, I had all these different challenges, and um, she she then challenged me to to, uh, to first draw a picture of what I did in a week, and it was a chaotic picture. I don't have that picture to show you because we're in in in, uh, in audio here. But do I you have that like, picture though? Did oh yes, oh yes. If I have you send picture. me that, I can actually post that on your episode oh. show notes, and that would be great. Absolutely, it, it's I call it my picture of a mind without time. I cannot wait to see that. Okay. So yeah, I, I start all my presentations that way with all my work. It's like, this is a mind without time. And everybody either looks at the picture and they go, oh dear, which is what <laughs> Dr. Arwood said when she saw it. She goes, oh dear, I see a very bright woman who has no sense of herself in time and space. And uh, other people look at it and go, mm-hmm, that's my life. So yes. So I took a year of, uh, it took me a year to figure out uh, what she wanted me to do. She told me to go home and take care of myself in time and space. And so I did that, and then my son had issues, and I started to, I mean, in a year's time, I completely changed my behavior. And then I worked with my son and my friend's kids, and then I became really well-known for all these people showing up on my doorstep in Portland who needed help with what has become what's called executive functions, okay? That's probably not new to your ADHD crowd, because that's really hot. Russell Barkley's always talking about mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, but we didn't have that phrase to describe the phenomena. And that's why I had so much trouble in the early years trying to explain to people what it was that I was doing. Um, and so I have this broad background in learning because I'm a teacher you know, and, and uh, special education issues and all that stuff. But I'm really fascinated by the brain. And so, you know, it just, it's just taken over my life. And I love it because I love helping people go, oh, this is the problem. Can I teach them about their brain first? Oh, this is why I have this problem. Then we get into the tools and the strategies. And 
it's so much fun, Eric, because I get to watch people change. Just over a few weeks, they'll, the kids and families who have been at each other's throats, you know, are walking in, uh, talking. They're using they're using uh, tools. They're being much more supportive of themselves. So it's great fun. And I think that's it's that's great because one of the things that I think that educating. Uh, individuals about their brain is it changes the story that they tell themselves about why they are having the particular challenges that that they're experiencing you know with without the the accurate information the the story that people often believe is they're lazy not motivated Mm -hmm. um, they're just scattered you know but there's that's what it looks like on the outside but you know I I find it amazing when I show people uh, there's a presentation that I give where I show people um, well, I ask, I, I show a slide that asks the question lazy and it just, uh, just says the word mm-hmm. lazy with a question mark. And then I show people a slide that shows a functional MRI scan that mm-hmm. has a, and explain to them, okay, the, when the brain is lighting up, that means it's working harder. Can you mm-hmm. tell me which brain is working harder? And they point to the one that's working harder. And then I say, so can we agree that the one that's working harder is the one that's less lazy? And they all agree. And then I point out that that, and then I show the labels for what these are. And that's the ADHD brain doing things that that require most people a lot less effort. Yes, absolutely. So it's like, oh, this really is something going yes. on in the brain. So it, yeah. it, understanding that really changes the, the story for for a lot of people. Um, one of these stories that you tell in your um, "Seeing My Time" workbook, which I just love, and I, and I share this with a lot of uh, um, a, a lot of families that I work with, and I think I may maybe have borrowed it in a presentation. That's all right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> is the idea of the the uh, folklore that that uh, um, kids are told and parents are told in uh, when they go to middle school? Yes. Um, so. I know, you know, we have a lot of parents that listen to this, you know, this is, uh, this podcast is focused on adults, but for those parents, uh, who, who are out there listening to this, or just for those adults who want to look back and, and make more sense of why school was so hard for them, will you mm-hmm. share that, that folklore that you, you talk about in your book? Sure, sure. Because, and you're right, Eric, um, when, when I talk about the emo, when I talk about the school, and uh, the impact of what's going on in school as a learner, it's really important for adults to go back and realize why they are the way they are. Because I know when I, I, the program I wrote was really for, started out thinking about kids and then the parents joined in and now adults use it. And I didn't think that it, the adults would want some of the background information that I talk about connected specifically to learning. But I've discovered over the years that they need that information because many of them are very what I call wounded learners and they don't understand why they had those challenges. So the story is this. Um, this happens right at that middle school age, somewhere around sixth grade, and the parents show up uh, at open house night or conferences and an authority figure stands in front of them and says this. It is time for you to back out. It is time for your child to grow up and take responsibility for getting their work done and starting their homework and turning things in on time. You know, you need to step back, let them grow up. They, they're going to stumble a little bit, but don't worry. Well, you know, it'll, it'll happen. And, you know, when I tell that story, the parents are sitting there nodding their heads up and down because that's what happened. 
But what I have just told previously told my clients in my course is that the brain doesn't develop those executive skills of even caring about the future. <laughs> this is the typical brain, not the ADHD brain. The typical brain is they don't care that much about future planning and goals and, and controlling impulsive behaviors, all that stuff. It's a very young brain. And so I've told them that that doesn't happen until 25 to 30 plus years old. Okay. So when I tell them, I said, I look at the student and I say, so, Remembering what you learned about your brain and how it's not grown up yet, were you ready at sixth grade for your parents to just step back? And the kids go, no. And I say, that's right. You're, you know, it's, it was not right. You were not ready. And so this is good news for you because you're not a bad, lazy, terrible person. Right. You're just a young person. That is doing, yeah. that is part of his educational system that uh, is doing what it's always done. And so it's going to continue to do what it, what it does. And despite yeah. the fact that brain science would suggest that, that having uh, sixth grade, seventh, eighth grade students self-manage their own stuff, like it's yeah. developmentally inappropriate. Yeah, it's, it's totally crazy. And so, so after I've told that, because the demands are so high, that jumps a lot, the executive functioning demands really jump at that grade lo- those grade levels. So I look at the parents after telling the kids, um, it's bad, ne- it's good news for you. I turn to the parents and say, it's bad news for you. <laughs> and it's because um, they have to realize that this child is not going to be the adult. You know, by the time the kid's in sixth grade, if those of you who are parents, you're ready for your kids to be grown up. You know, it's like, you are tired of this. Go do it, please. I don't want to think about this. But the truth is you can't. And that's where we bring in people like you in terms of coaching. Um, I say to the parents, you have to switch your role, not to be the um, controller, but more like the coach. So I explain the analogy I use is learn to ride a bicycle. When a child first gets on a bicycle, usually the parents holding on, the parents alongside of them, you know, and the kid don't let go, don't let go. And then the kid takes off and they are in seventh heaven. Woo! You know, <laughs> uh, they can't catch me. But I tell the kids when that happens and you take off, your parents do not turn around and go in the house and shut the door. They're out there going, get out of the road, move over, car's coming, get on the sidewalk. They're still monitoring mm-hmm. and they're still teaching those skills. So parents who have young children, those are your parents, you can't just let go. You need to continue to coach more. Mm-hmm. You know, on the sidelines, you don't want, you know, a few skin knees are okay, but you don't want them to crash and burn. Yeah, because it's, it's, you know, we, we have to understand that we need to have more of a safety net around Kids, and then let's so let's move forward a little bit to college because I know that there's a number of listeners listening to this uh, who are college students, and I think some of the uh, the information in your uh, seeing my time program is, is just brilliant for college students. The um, and I love how you talk about how uh, you know really pulling out uh, the the key information from those the the syllabus and mm-hmm. the tools that you use to kind of plan those papers. So w- would mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? And I, I just think it's, it's brilliant. Um, okay. and, and I love that you shared with me yesterday that you know when you wrote this program, you actually did not uh, know much of the brain research. You just, this is from all experience, and then you had that kind of validation of, oh, all the stuff that I'm doing is completely backed by brain research. I just <laughs> didn't know it at the time. And I think, I think that's great. That, that, yeah, that's a no. sign of someone who just gets it. Right. Well, what that 
it's really interesting because, yeah, I'm not an academic. You know, all my work was done around my dining room table. And when people wanted me to publish, I was like, uh, but who's going to buy it? You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm just and um, but what I was really doing, Eric, it was research around my dining room table. I was actually because of my teaching background and my understanding of how to build things in a sequential scaffolded, multisensory, hands on kind of way of doing things. Um I was just sitting there figuring out, okay, you don't get this. How do I teach you? So it's really interesting what came together for me those four or five years ago now was as I was figuring out how to teach it, uh, science was out there, neuroscience was out there describing the phenomena, but they didn't know how to teach it. I do because I've been doing it for 20 years. So the thing about the college students, and I'm going to I'm gonna take some heat off the college kids here. Um just know that your brain isn't fully matured yet, no matter ADHD or not, okay? Tra- college transition is hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. You are suddenly expected to manage time in a whole different way with a whole bunch of new fascinating distractions, okay? This freedom of, you know, uh, we all know what goes on in college what campuses. What you want, when you want, how you when want. When you want it, how long you want it, whatever, whether it's good for you, bad for you, whether it has anything to do with school or not, you know, um, those things uh, are there, the temptations. So managing your time is really difficult. So it's a place where a lot of young people fail. There's, like, there's failing points at middle school, going into high school, and going into college, and I will say even going into the workplace, because these transition years, you need another set of skills, another way of looking at time and managing yourself. So the college kids, it's going to be hard to kind of do this auditorially because I'm very visually oriented and my program's so hands-on, I have you like manipulating things. So... I will try to do this carefully. <laughs> so you guys might close your eyes and I will make Unless it Unless you're driving, visual. Don't, don't close your eyes. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't <laughs> close your eyes. Um, make this as visual as possible and maybe you want to, if you have a pen and pencil, you might want to draw this out while I'm talking, okay? Um, I always have people draw their notes anyway. Draw pictures and images. Don't put And, I, and I've stuff. talked about that in, in uh, uh, past podcasts. I think it's on episode eight or nine I have about um, drawing out your vision. Uh, yes. And I actually have a, a picture of my uh, my drawn out vision um, yes. uh, about my goals, and and uh, that's actually on uh, on the episode uh, for the show notes that I that I talked about that. If I can only remember which episode it was. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm impressed you did that. So, what happens when um, a professor gives you a syllabus that has probably it can have upwards to 2,000 words in it, okay? <laughs> or not, well, upwards to 1,000 words. Yeah, 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 you know, 800 to 1,000 words. And what happens when you read those things is, first of all, your brain's going to shut down because it's like too many words, too much information. And your gut response is one of two things. It's like, ugh, I'll deal with this later when I have more energy and time. 
Okay, so you, and you deep six it. You put it someplace where you're not going to see it again for a long time. It's like out of sight. Um, and then, or the other emotion is, oh my God, this is too much work. I can't do it. And you know, it's scary. And so then you deep six it and get it out of sight and out of mind. And the so you deep, deep six it. I don't know that phrase. Deep six. Oh, what's deep six? Where's that come from? I'm not sure. Deep six is to put something deep down. Maybe it's like to bury like it. Six feet under? Like six feet under. I think Got that it. might be where it comes from. I think okay, that's yeah, I have all kinds that. of weird euphemisms in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> in my language. So yes, that's probably an old one. Um, so, so you get all these words and you have this emotional response to just shut down because your brain doesn't want to see all of those words. And then you get into big trouble because you don't see the deadlines when they hit. You have no idea where they are. They're somewhere out there in the future. I know that maybe the term's getting moving along. And suddenly you go, oh my gosh, how can it be the midterm? Or oh my gosh, how can this be done? So the strategy is to grab a, a piece of paper and a pencil and a dry erase marker. Okay. So you want those three things, four things, and, a, and your instructions. And you want to read, um, actually, you want to take a look at your first sentence and you want to look for um, your first punctuation mark in that sentence or the first word and or or okay these are kind of, this gets a little complicated like i said you're looking for an and or an or and the reason why you're looking for the and and the or is if a sentence has two ideas in it they're connected with an or or an and and our brain will forget one of those ideas okay because <laughs> it's overloading it's working memory so if you have an or an and you want to stop circle it so let's say in my example in my saying my time book the, the example is uh, a sixth grade project and the first part of the sentence is this project requires a written report on egyptian pyramids and something else so i pause right there and i draw a picture of what i see in my mind when i see those words this project requires a written report on egyptian pyramids so i draw a little rectangle with little squiggly lines representing writing and uh, the rectangle is a piece of paper and i put a little pyramid on it and i might write the word report next to it so, so i have so you're just doing that so you can visually see what it is i visually see what i'm doing is i'm slowing my brain down Okay, this is a problem for an ADHD brain in one way. Um, is we're slowing our brain down and we're making it focus on just those chunks of words. A small chunk, okay. And most ADHD brains like to pause and draw. They like to do that kind of kinesthetic movement activity. So you've drawn it and now you've, what you've, you've really um, tied it to your brain literally with a visual image in your brain of what you have to do. And then you go by and to the next uh, punctuation mark and you circle that and you read those words and you likewise, you draw what those are about, okay? And in my example, it would be build a model of a construction pyramid. So I would have a line down the middle of my page saying, here's the and line, okay, I've got to do this and I have to do a model. Um, so then I, after I've drawn it, oh, this is where I forgot to tell you, after I've drawn about the written report, I take my highlighter pen and I cover over that section of words that I just drew. And you're using the highlighter pen here differently. You're not highlighting what's significant. You're highlighting what you've already recorded. So it's, it's holding your place. It's like a placeholder. I've handled these words. I'm not going to forget them. I've recorded them. Now I can move on to the next part of this sentence. And so you go through it 
little by little by little, each clause or each sentence, and you draw a little picture or maybe put bullet points underneath the picture so that you get a clear idea of what you have to do. By drawing out and getting a clear picture of what you have to do, it actually stops procrastination. Because when you start getting that full picture, you go, whoa, this is bigger deal than I thought it was. (laughs) I better get started on this. Instead of imagining, "Eh, I can do it. Time will stretch. You know, I got a whole term. I got a whole three. I got three weeks. I got a month. But if you don't really know what's inside that syllabus or what's inside those directions, then you're going to make an erroneous assumption quite often about Mm -hmm. the amount of time it's going to take. So that's what I do for making sure you see the assignment to stop procrastination. And then I take post-it notes to break it up into pieces. So when I plan backwards, so I start with a picture of, and this is the picture part, of two stick figures, both with happy faces. Um, one's you, one's the teacher. And you have happy faces because you are turning in a quality project, product, and they are happy because you're on time. And then we go backwards. What was the last thing you did to finish turn that in? Well, you had to either press send, okay, to get it to the teacher, or you had to put it in your backpack to take it to class. And this is a step a lot of people leave out. Mm -hmm, I mean, how many mm -hmm. of you have, like, left something on the table? How many of you have had left something on your desktop that you thought you'd sent, you know? So suddenly you you, you clear your your desktop, and there's that unsent email. You know, all you had to do was press send, but it... And Mary D, what I, what I love too is that, you know, we, a lot of us have heard this idea of, you know, begin with the end in mind. And we were talking about this yesterday. So that sounds great. And then, but you're left with, okay, so how do you do that? And what I would, what I'll really say is, is your book will do that for people who are, and I'm, I'm telling you that I have been able to use in, in teaching this, because uh, I've used your curriculum uh, with, a, with a number of my clients. I've gained a lot from it too, oh, yeah. um, I, and really, like I, I, you know, I've always kind of liked to draw pictures to symbolize, you know, some of the things that I need to do. But I think after reading um, your your book, I really kind of took that to a whole new level, um, and I just think it's so so powerful. And so when you begin with the end in mind, you can actually see what done looks like. Exactly, and that's a motivator. Okay, it's a motivator, and then you start to go backwards, breaking it into little tiny pieces, asking yourself the question, what did I have to do just before this could happen? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, and then, but the other key thing to know that you have to do on each one of these post-its, Eric, and this is what people leave off, is you have to consider the space of time. How much time does this space take? So that's where I draw a little circle on there to represent an analog clock. And so let's say putting it in the backpack, that doesn't take very much time. So, but it takes some time. Okay, particularly if you can't find your backpack. All right. So you've got to go and you put a little, little sliver, like on the pizza pie. To you represent know, that, that time, time to represent slice on clock. The slice of time. Because people, time doesn't stretch you guys. It, everything takes up time. It takes up a space of time. So then likewise, you go through the whole process, stopping, thinking, how much time do I need to allow? How much time do I need to allow? Now, for you college students who are writing, this is how you do papers. Go through. I do teach people. That's what's in seeing my time is sort of a, a step-by-step how to do a paper. Um, I want you to make sure that you multiply the amount of time you think it's going to take you to write. Because I write all the time, and writing takes a lot of time. So if you say, oh, 
ah, I can whip that out in a half an hour. I want you to triple it. <laughs> okay. That's, that's what you I know. often recommend too. Because it, it, it does. Things, you know, and here's the good news. If you overestimate mm-hmm. and you're done early, congratulations, you can do whatever you want with that time. Absolutely. I always go, woohoo. And then the one other little gem, and then I want to take a quick break, is, sure. you know, you also give people a, a, um, a really clear point on how to get started. And that first starting point is to take that syllabus and plan out the project. Like that's always the yeah. first starting point. So it's, yeah. it's this idea that, that if you don't take that time to plan, that you're gonna be spending so much time doing other things not related to achieving the, that goal or coming up with that end result, and you're just gonna end up uh, with a lot of time being stressed out, overwhelmed, and uh, um, sleep deprived, especially for college students, because yeah. I know what I know. I, I didn't have these skills when I was in college, and uh, yeah. and I've shared uh, with my listeners that my my freshman year of college, um, I I almost failed out. My first semester, I had a two point two. Then I decided to open up the books, and I got a one point eight. <laughs> then I got diagnosed with ADHD, and so, oh, that explains yeah. a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't have those skills. So, uh, Mary D, I want to take a really quick break. I want to tell people about the upcoming coaching group that is coming up, and I want to thank our sponsor. The holidays are coming, and chances are you still have gifts to buy. Support this podcast and do your shopping on Amazon, but start by going through my website using the Amazon search tool. Go to erictivers.com slash podcast, and when you start using the Amazon search tool at my website, you will go through Amazon the same way you're used to, except a small portion of your purchase will go to support this podcast. Go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD rewired for your free audiobook download. Make 2015 your most productive year yet by joining the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Let me know you're ready to get your ADHD Rewired by going to erictivers.com slash coaching rewired. That's erictivers.com slash coaching rewired. And we are back. So we were just talking about uh, some of the the tips that you use in the Seeing My Time program. Uh, you were you were kind of mapping out for us um, some of the tools that you need to, when you're going through a syllabus to write a paper. I uh, talked about having your your pencil and pen, your dry erase um, marker, your your highlighter, um, and to really kind of map out starting with the end uh, part, which is turning that assignment in and kind of extracting the key information from uh, from uh, the, the syllabus and beginning the whole process when you get an assignment with mapping it all out. Yeah. So, and I just think it's a gem. And you have something to add. I have something to add. Okay, the last part of that is you need to see the future. Remember we were talking earlier about how what, what do I connect with the future? Well, I wish I had known this my first term or my college years because I too struggled my first term. Um, take and print off, you guys, um, you know, 
three months worth of, of calendars, you know, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, whatever it is between grading periods, just print, off, just print them off, stick them on your wall in front of you. You need to see them. You need to keep time in front of you because your brain doesn't have time. Can, so you want to see that last part one more time. Your brain doesn't have time. Okay. So important just, to understand. And it's just, okay. It's okay. Just live with it. You, you, you get around. My brain has no time. Okay. <laughs> you take away my tools and I'm a disaster. Okay. I lose days. I don't even know what happened to me. But you put my tools in front of me. I'm more effective than probably 95 people, percent of the people out there. But anyway, back to the calendar. I want to have a calendar insight. And all I want to have on that calendar, and you should do this the first day of each semester, okay? On the first day of each semester, as soon as you get your syllabus, you go through that syllabus and you put all of the due dates for exams and papers. So, so that you can, and you might color code them, you know, history might be green and, you know, math might be red or whatever. But you want to be able to see in front of you the whole term and when those exams are and when those project type assignments are due. That will help you tremendously. One of the things that I do when I'm working with college students is I uh, go through this process with them at the beginning of, the, of their semester. And I tell them, I want you to have pull every key piece of information from your syllabus with enough confidence that as soon as you are done with that project, you can throw your syllabus away. I want you to have everything accessible on your, your whether it's on your phone, your calendar, including your, your, your professor's office hours. Every mm -hmm. key piece of information needs to be in one place. Great. Yeah. Good advice. So when you're talking about seeing into the future, um, you know, some of the, the kind of organizational systems that uh, you also help people with, including adults and how do we were talking right before, I think we hit record about where do you put that piece of paper that <laughs> you don't know what to do with? And as I was looking okay. around my office, you know, how many piles can I count of, you know, how many pieces of paper do I have just in, in my arms reach that I'm like, Hmm, what do I do with this? So right. impart some wisdom onto us, please. Okay, well, that's a challenge. And, and as I was sharing with you, I'm not actually perfect on this one either. Um, I, I'm pretty darn good now about my piles. I used to say, you know, you open my front door and I'd say, welcome to my piles. Um, but I don't do that anymore. I'm much saner and calmer with having the place organized. I figured out how to do that. But I just still have challenges with these little odd pieces of paper that show up in the office. You know, I can sit here. It's like, do I keep this 50% off coupon for, <laughs> which actually now has expired. So I can throw that one away. That's um, an easy one. <laughs> that's an easy one. Um, so what, what I recommend, I'm going to actually be sharing with you a, a video. I'll, I'll be giving you a link to a video that I have on how to use a tickler file. And tickler files are just a, a way of, of creating a temporary holding spot for those pieces of paper. It's like, I don't want to think about it and decide today. I'll do it next month. And you stick it in, Jan, you know, in January or you know, February. Um, I'll do it on Friday. So you stick it in the date for Friday. Um, you know, because some things don't need to be decided upon and some things you don't, it's not worth scanning it. It's not worth, <laughs> you know, it's not worth making a file folder for it. Um, but you need to have it surface again because while the file, the tickler file works is you open it up your file folder for each day of the month. So like if it's the fifth of the week, month, you open up the fifth. And if there's any pieces of paper in there, you take a look at them and say, oh, oh, I need to deal with this today. Or, 
ah, I don't know what to do with this. I'll do it next week. Uh, and you just move it ahead. But it's just a place to store those pieces of paper that you're anxious about not wanting to lose sight of. So that link that you're going to share, it's going to be on my website under the show notes uh, for this episode, uh, which will be ericktivers.com slash whatever episode number this happens to be. Um, I haven't seen that far into the future yet to know which episode this is going to be. <laughs> so just look down at your podcast player and see what number this is. And that link will uh, be there right in the show notes. Uh, and, and thank you for, for sharing that with, uh, with my audience. Now I'm, now I'm looking to plan B because I feel, okay, so we're getting near that, that end point, And I want to see if there's anything that I have not asked you about uh, that I, I wanted to ask you about. Because you know that, that you know, moment where you leave, uh, you know, you're, you're with someone, then you leave or you hang up the phone. And as soon as you do, it's, oh, I wanted to ask that person about so-and-so. Well, I know what I want to tell you. Yes. And that's the analog clock story. Do we have time for a quick analog clock story? We have story? time for a quick analog clock story. Okay. All right. The importance of clocks in your universe came to me 20-some, oh, well, I'm over, almost 30, over 30 years ago. I've been married 32 years, okay? 32 years ago, um, digital technology was brand new. And, you know, you could spend over $1,000, you guys, for a digital watch. The cheap ones were 350 okay? And people huh. go, what? Yeah. Really, I'm that old. So anyway, um, this uh, there was a Nobel Prize-winning physicist named uh, Richard Feynman. He was a theoretical physicist, and he was being interviewed on NPR. And the topic was the impact of technology change on culture. And he made the most outrageous statement that I never forgot it. He said this: the digital clock. This was the hot new thing then. The digital clock will be the downfall of civilization. And I thought, the downfall of civilization? I mean, I could see nuclear war. I could see, you know, <laughs> but, you know, a digital clock. And um, he said that the problem with the digital clock was that it only shows you one picture of time. It only shows you right now, the present. Whereas if you look at an old-fashioned analog clock, that's the face clock with, you know, the hands and the numbers going around. Um that clock shows you what time it is right now, and it shows you the future. That's that future thing that this brain, oh, ADHD brain, no future, okay? So you've got to see it coming. You see it on the clock. Okay, how many more minutes before I have to go? And it also gives you reference to the past. How long have I been here? So it gives you this past, present, and future component. And Feynman said this. He said, um, what's going to happen to our culture is it's going to become obsessed with instant gratification. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't want to save for the future. So far off. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to save for the future. I don't want to save. I don't want to pay for infrastructure. I don't want to. You know, I don't. I want the big house I can't afford. You know, it's just you know not really thinking about that future component. Only wanting what we want right now, Hmm. which really is dangerous for our ADHD brain because that is just you know that brain is only living in the present. And so the challenge that you have with an ADHD brain is connecting yourself to that future visually so that you can make better choices so the future doesn't sneak up and bite you. That's, that's, a, that's great. That's great. Um, there, I don't think I told you this when we were talking yesterday. Um, on, so I have a clock in my office, and it's a, a, an analog clock that has a, a glass uh, surface 
and a, uh, a metal, actually uh, magnetic frame to it. And what I can do and will often do is I will take a dry erase marker and color in the slice of time that I need to be kind of keeping track of. And I can take magnets and kind of put markers around those those other kind of areas of time that I need to be seeing. And it's it's great. Wow, cool. I love that. I'm going to I'm going to steal that one. Please do cuz I stole that <laughs> from that Oh, I'm blanking on her name, but I but I saw uh her talk about it at a social thinking conference and I just thought that was brilliant. Was Michelle Garcia winner? No, it wasn't her. It was um okay. I think her first name is Sarah and I wish I can give her the full credit that she deserves for for sharing, you know. That's a cool idea. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's just a regular glass face clock with a with a metal rim that is uh, that is uh, magnetic. Oh, and I, and I love it. And yeah, the yeah. Um, yeah, be careful what surface you draw on the little corner because it might not work so well and come off on all surfaces. Right, it has to be glass because <laughs> the plastic won't won't work so well. Yeah. So now, uh, Mary D, we are going to move into the part of the show that we call. The random question round. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then paradoxically has everything to do with ADHD. Are you ready? I am ready. The first question I'm going to ask you in the random question round is one that I will often ask in this part of the show, and that is, if you had an invention, what would that invention be? Ooh. Um... I'll give this invention away. Somebody's going to make a million dollars on it. I'd have a, a uh, <laughs> the invention I would have would be a uh, a time screen that an app that would have be touch a touch app that would be able to manage past, present, and or future events and projects all in one place, but big enough that everybody could see it. Because little clocks, uh, I mean, little phones and things aren't big enough to really manage time very well. And the tablets aren't either. And the reason they can't is that it's because of working memory. It requires you to switch tasks. And every time you have to switch screens and tasks, something falls off your working memory. So I want a giant wall-shaped thing that I can just manipulate all the things that I need to do, kept in one place. Cool. Cool. <laughs> okay. The so if anybody wants to work on me with that with me, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of coming up with some ideas as, as we think. Um, all right. So my next question is, if you could create a yoga pose, because I know that you are into yoga, mm -hmm. what would that pose be if it were named after you? Well, one of my assistants calls me the ever ready bunny. <laughs> so I'm not sure how you'd have an ever ready bunny uh, pose. Maybe it would be the standing pose with my arms out, ready to play drums. <laughs> I, I was kind I of, know, I was kind of picturing asked. like a you kind of bending at the knees and like ready to like launch into action, like a like a bunny would. Oh, you like, oh that could be a good one too. Yeah, I yeah. So anyway, I uh, that's what I came up with. <laughs> He doesn't prep you, you guys. He doesn't let you know what's coming. Okay, well, what else? I don't even know what's coming. I am making these up as I go. Okay, great. Okay. Um, if we decided to add one day to the weekend, what what day would that be? You mean in terms of making a new name for it, or would I multiply a day? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would make um, free day. Free day? Free day after Friday. Okay, so that's in between Friday and Saturday. It's free day. In between Friday and Saturday, it would be free day. And, and you're not allowed, nobody's allowed to make any appointments for you, and you're not allowed to make any appointments on free day. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the Sabbath. It's not like the Sabbath, but... but the secular version. Managed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, a secular version, and and it's really hard to keep the Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> but this would be true for everybody. You know, I mean, like everybody. This is like across the board, secular, you know, not religious, but just your day. No appointments are allowed. Just to be. No obligations, just, to, just be. No obligations, just mm. be. Mm. That sounds nice. Yeah. If you could learn a brand new skill and become a an expert at a certain area that you currently know very little or even nothing about what would it be animation i just taking this course on how to do animations in keynote and i'm having so much fun making these little things bounce across the page and um so my new ambition i told my employees the other day i want to quit everything you guys and become an animator and my goal is to work for george lucas you know lucas <laughs> films <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I was just picturing, so when I was in like third grade, I created this little flip book of a football being kicked into a field goal. And I just thought it was, it was such a, had a powerful impact that I still remember it to this day. That's, that's very cool. So Mary D, we are unfortunately out of time because, you know, time, it doesn't stretch as much as I, I sometimes try to make it stretch. You know, it, it just, it doesn't. We, it it has the, the confounds of the limitations of those 24 hours that are in that day, the, the 60 minutes that are within the hour, and we are coming to the end. So before we go, I want to thank you again for your time. And will you uh, let the listeners know of, uh, of ADHD Rewired where they can reach you uh, should they want to get in touch with you? Okay, you can reach me at my website. Um, it's a horribly long name, um, and it's hard to spell, so be patient. ExecutiveFunctioningSuccess.com. But you can probably Google my name, Mary D. It's one word, M-A-R-Y-D-E-E. Uh, the last name is Scalar, S-K-L-A-R. And that should get you to Executive Functioning Success. And if you go to my website, I will have a link to all the places that you can reach Mary D. Um, so you just, if you're listening to this on your podcast app, just click on the episode you're listening to. And in the abbreviated version of the show notes, you'll see a link that you can contact her right from there. Right. And I'm on Facebook and all that stuff too. So you can look for me there. And Mary D, I will be asking you uh, to join us in the ADHD Rewired Facebook community. I do ask I all my past guests to come and join us because it's a it's a growing and vibrant community, and um, and people will will truly uh, love talking with you, and uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I think that that you know I'm, my my brain's racing right now because you kind of re reminded me of certain things that I kind of want to get back to, and uh, you just have such great stuff. I want to just congratulate you on your success and on your new book, um, and you did say it may soon be on Audible. Um, well, I want it to come out on Audible. Yes, I'm working on that process. Right now, it's on um, the tips book for parents is on Amazon. It's in a Kindle version as well as a paper, ver paper version. Oh, great. And as soon as that does, it'll be links will be on my website. And, yes. Uh, and again, congratulations and thank you. And that's all the time that we have. Go forth. 
Thank you. Thanks. Well, ADHD Rewired Community, I just want you to know that I think you, yes, you listening right now, yes, I, I am talking to you, you're awesome. I want to thank everyone that has reached out to me via email and shared your story. I've got a lot of emails this week from people sharing their story and a lot of people letting me know that uh, they're interested in the Rewired Coaching Group. It really is amazing hearing your personal story and how this podcast has been just one part of what you're doing to help yourself and your ADHD get rewired. So thanks for, for all those messages that you've sent me. If you haven't done so already, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a quick rating and review. It's a small action that you can make that makes a huge impact on others because it helps other people find this podcast. Tell me, how do you get your ADHD rewired? Tell listeners, where do you live? Something that you've gained from the podcast and even maybe share a suggestion on what would make it better. If you can do this in 90 seconds or less, you might be featured on an upcoming episode of ADHD Rewired. To record your message, go to speakpipe.com slash ADHD Rewired or click the link in your podcast app or just go to my website. There's a link there. We are on Facebook. Like our Facebook page and submit your request to join our growing community. And please check your other inbox because my response to your request might be stuck there. If you live in the Northern Illinois area, you are invited to Chad of the Northern Illinois. We meet on the third Monday of every month in Gray's Lake. We are on Facebook and meetup.com or just check the show notes for a link. If you're not in this area, go to chad.org and see if there is a support group in your area. And don't forget, if you would like to be a part of the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, let me know at erictivers.com slash coaching rewired. That's erictivers.com slash coaching rewired. And if you haven't signed up for my email newsletter, now would be a really good time to do so. That's all I got for this week. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening. Until next time.